Thank you for listening to the Hope City Community Church Podcast. We pray that your life will be forever changed by what you hear today. Our goal is to encourage, inspire, and challenge you to experience the real Jesus. Thanks for listening. Now let's tune in. Well, good morning, church. How many of y'all ready for Turkey Day? Yes, sir. I am ready. I am ready. Um, How many of you guys are pumpkin pie people? One person's really a pumpkin pie person. Okay. How many of you are like a chocolate pie person? Yeah. Yeah. Wendy asked me this week, she goes, should I make a chocolate pie? I said, yes. She said, well, should I make a pumpkin pie? I said, yes. She said, well, which one? I said, yes. Just yes. Yes. The answer is yes. Just keep pumping those pies out and I'll keep eating them. The, um, uh, I'm excited uh, about Thanksgiving this week. We're going to have a, a wonderful time. I pray that you have the best Thanksgiving that you've ever had. I pray that it's rich and that you make wonderful memories, that you enjoy your families. Um, today, I want to share something with you uh, that we printed up. Um, this Names of God series has just been powerful. It's been wonderful. The Lord has sharpened me and uh, has given me uh, great revelation through it. And so what I've done is, uh, is I've put the names of God that we've studied along with the context and the verse of where it's found and the meaning. And, uh, and we printed these out so that way you can take these and continue the study of the names of God that we've gone through. And so uh, make sure you grab one of these today as you walk out the door. Uh, they're right here with the greeters, and uh, we want to make sure that you get one of those, and uh, the ushers will have those after service as well. But take those, stick them on your refrigerator, because you never know uh, when you need to lean on the Lord for one of those characteristics. Well, I felt the Lord um, leading me to teach what I'm teaching today uh, about six weeks ago, and uh, I felt the need to hold this sermon for today. Uh, and today I'm preaching on the name of the Lord, Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. And I don't know if your family's like my family, but when everybody gets together, there's a lot of, uh, of complexities going on there. And so now it's just my mom, dad, my brother and his family, it's not so much. But when everybody in the extended family starts pouring in, that's a lot of different energy, isn't it? The holidays can be tumultuous, yes. They can be anxiety-driven, yes. And so I believe we have the capability to create peace in our homes and maintain peace in our homes, irrelevant of who comes in and who goes. You and I are peacemakers. We're children of God, amen. And so today we're going to take a look and do a little Bible study in Judges chapter 6 is where we find the name Jehovah Shalom. Uh, How many of you have ever read the story of Gideon in the Bible? Gideon, Gideon. And I just noticed my friend from Eswatini here, Pastor Bongi. Hello, my brother. Linda Way. Hello. Hello. I'm not going to do to you what you did to me. We were driving to church. And uh, we were driving back from one area of Eswatini, and I said, what does the Lord have on your heart for tomorrow? And he goes, no, brother, 
what does the Lord have on your heart for tomorrow? And I said, what? No, man. I said, I'm looking forward to hearing you preach. He goes, no, you will preach. And I said, come on, Monkey, don't do that to me, man. And we got to the church the next morning, and he preached, and then I preached, and the Holy Spirit did his thing. We had a good time, didn't we? Man, praise God. Man, I'm so happy to see you. It warms my heart that you're here, brother. God bless you guys. I look forward to hugging your neck after service. Man, I'm going to have to be on my A game today. That brother can preach. He's going to be taking notes and uh, uh, critiquing me, so I'm going to have to bring the heat today. Well, uh, we see the term Jehovah Shalom in Judges chapter 6, particularly in verse 24. You can write that down for later. Um, But to give you some context as to what's going on, Israel is coming off of 40 years of God's blessing, and then sin has erupted in their camp. When sin is a part of your camp, peace uh, leaves as a byproduct. Peace and sin are like oil and water. They don't mix. They don't mix. And what's happened to the children of Israel is that they have gone 40 years, about a generation, of doing things the right way, and then they turn their back on God. And we pick up uh, in Judges chapter 6 the story of the Israelites, uh, starting in verse 1. It says, Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel because of the Midianites. The children of Israel made for themselves the dens, the caves, and the strongholds, which are in the mountains. So here's what's happening. The Midianites have taken over the valley, the farmland, and everything else, and it has forced God's children up into the mountains, into their protective caverns and caves. And so so it was, whenever Israel had sown, Midianites would come up, also Amalekites, and the people of the east would come up against them. They would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza. Leave no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep, nor ox, nor donkey. So what's happening is, is as Israel is planting, they're trying to be obedient, they're trying to be good stewards, they're planting, they're sowing, they're doing everything they can. And when it's time to reap, the enemy comes in and steals and destroys everything. Can I tell you, this speaks to a recession. A current day recession is very similar to what's going on with the Midianites in uh, Judges chapter 6 and what they're doing to the children of Israel. It says, For they would come up with their livestock and their tents, coming in as numerous as locusts. Both they and their camels were without number. That's a lot of people. It says, and they would enter the land to destroy it. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. And it came to pass, when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites, that the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel who said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt, and I brought you out of the house of bondage. I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all who oppressed you. And I drove them out before you and gave you their land. Also, I said to you, I am the Lord your God. 
Do not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. Can I tell you, obedience is an important factor in your relationship with the Lord. When you are in a season of disobedience, don't be shocked when peace is hard to find. I talk to people all the time. They say, well, Pastor Josh, this is falling apart. And I say, well, how did you get in that position in the first place? And it always goes back to some sort of missing the mark on how God has instructed us to function. Can I tell you, there is peace in functioning the right way according to the scripture. And so anytime there's a peace problem, a lot of times that can be chased back to a functional issue. Not all the time, but in most cases, it can be chased back to a functional issue that does not line up with God's priority for your life. And so it's imperative that we make what he says go. So Judges chapter 6, verse 11, let's keep reading. It says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was an Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abiezrite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress, which, by the way, why are we pressing wheat in the winepress? I'm going to show you this. Uh, it says, In order to hide from the Midianites, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Okay, right there, we got to stop. We got to talk about this. You would never press wheat in a wine press. Never, never. One is to separate wheat from the chaff. That's why you had a threshing floor. It was a whole different system designed to separate the shell and the husk of wheat from the actual grain of wheat. The wine press is created to take the juice out of grapes in order to create wine. Why is Gideon threshing wheat in a wine press? The reason why is he is hiding, he's hiding from the enemy. He's hiding from the Midianites. And he's doing this in such a way because he realizes anything of any value Midianites are going to steal. And so for him to have wheat and flour for his family, he's got to kind of do this covert operation just to get what they need. There's a great picture here of us trying to function in our own power and do things our way. And can I tell you, you got to do it God's way. It's not about our way. We have our own wisdom and our own functionality that says, hey, if you'll do this, You'll do it this way. Maybe the enemy won't see it. Maybe we'll be prosperous this way. Let me tell you, anything other than God's way is not prosperous. It may be prosperous for a season, but long-term, it leads to destruction. And so Gideon is now functioning weirdly, doing things that are off kilter, and he's functioning in fear instead of faith. How many of y'all know that's not God's will for your life? How many of y'all know that's not God's will for your life? You got to wake up, Dad. Here we go. Judges chapter 6, verse 13. Let's keep reading. Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us. Huh? The Lord just called him a mighty man of valor. I don't know about you. If an angel's talking to me, I'm listening. But then he says, If the Lord is with us. And the Lord is right there in his presence. And he's saying, if the Lord 
is with us. Why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. Verse 14, then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours. You shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Okay, I can just imagine me getting at this point. An angel comes and says, oh, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon's like, uh, man, I kind of am a little bit nervous about the whole situation. Uh, you got the wrong guy first because I'm not mighty. Matter of fact, I'm tucking tail as we speak. Like I'm hiding to get my flower right now. You found me in my hiding place, right? Right? And so he says, you got the wrong one. And God doesn't listen to his excuse. Can I tell you, God's not interested in your excuses. He's interested in your obedience. And so now we have Gideon having a conversation with God. Have you ever been in a place where you're having a conversation and you're debating with God? Can I tell you, you may not have debated with an angel of the Lord, but I promise you, you've debated in your mind with the scripture. Because each of us have to make a decision every day. Are we going to believe what we feel? Are we going to believe our circumstances? Or are we going to believe the scripture? And when you decide to stand on scripture, there's a peace that comes with that. So I guess what I'm saying is you can invest in your circumstances. You can invest in the word. And what you get as a return is completely up to you. What soil are you planting your thoughts in? Verse 15, so he said to him, Oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. He goes, No, 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 we're a bunch of runs. We're the, we're the scared ones. You got the wrong crew. Even my clique is weak. My backup ain't backup. We're a bunch of weak, scared people. And of those weak, scared people, I'm the weakest and scaredest of the weak and scared. And I love that God just continues to speak the strength of the word to him. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. He says in verse uh, 16, And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. They're having banter back and forth. Let me just bring this down to something that'll fit everybody. Have you ever had a battle in your mind? Okay, like three people over here. Have y'all ever had a battle in your mind? Anybody over here? Okay, good. Talk back to me. The more you, more you shout, the faster I preach, okay? So <laughs> somebody, somebody got brunch plans. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. So this battle that's going on in real time, in real life with Gideon, I'll be honest with you, it happens in my mind all the time. Because I see my surroundings. I see what's happening. I see the price of eggs. Come on, somebody. And the enemy begins to play with my mind. You're not going to have enough. You're not going to have what you need. 
You're not going to be able to provide. You're not going to be able to do your job as a father. And the enemy starts shooting these fiery darts. That's what the scripture says. Fiery darts of the wicked one. Throwing these inflammatory thoughts. And the reason why they're inflammatory is because when they hit, then they really start burning. If you let one of those thoughts land, it begins to spread and it will set up rent free in your mind. You ever had a thought that didn't pay rent and you didn't invite it? Well, today, by the power of the Holy Spirit, let's put some eviction notices on the devil. Amen. Let's take back control of our minds today. Amen. There's a battleground of the mind and the enemy is always rushing these thoughts. And see, he will base scenarios around us. See, he can't control you. This is what you need to understand. The devil can't force you to do a thing. So what he does is he sets these little fires around you. And he tries to make you steer the direction he wants you to go based on circumstances. And that's why you and I as believers, we cannot base our actions on circumstance. We have to base our actions on the word. Because the word never changes. The word is power. The word is peace. So back and forth, God is telling Gideon, you're a mighty man. Gideon goes, got the wrong one. I love that God doesn't even hesitate. He goes, you're going to go defeat the Midianites. He goes, no, no, I'm the weakest of the weak. Even my clique is weak. It's horrible. And God says, you're going to do it as one man. God's not even hearing the excuse. See, God had a plan for Gideon's life. He has a plan for your life too. So you've got to begin to understand that when God speaks, your excuse falls flat instantly. He is the creator of heaven and earth. By him, the sun and the moon are hung in the sky. So when he speaks, who are we not to listen? People say, well, I've never heard the voice of God. Praise God. But you can read it. You can read it. And if you can't, find somebody who can. And let them read it. As a matter of fact, it's better to hear it. The Bible says, faith cometh by and hearing by the word of God. That means if you're reading it, read it out loud. Put some stink on it. Right? I could, I could, ta I, I could tap dance on that all morning. I got to keep moving. I got some stuff to show you. The Lord said to him, surely I'll be with you. You'll defeat the Midianites as one man. Judges chapter 6, verse 17. Then he said to him, if now I have found favor in your sight, show me a sign. Show me a sign that it's you who's talking to me. You ever negotiated with God? If you'll just X, Y, and Z, I'll X, Y, and Z. If you'll just do this, then I'll do this. Gideon says, now if I found favor in your sight, then show me a sign. Don't depart from here, I pray, till I come to you and bring out my offering and set it before you. And he said, I'll wait till you come back. 
When I read that, my first thought was, what kind of fool puts God on hold? And the Holy Spirit whispered and said, all the time. Every time you entertain the wicked one's thoughts, you have put God on hold. The reason you don't have peace because you got God on hold while the enemy's on the line. A man cannot serve two masters. That's what the scripture says. Who are you listening to? Who are you listening to? We put God on hold, don't we? So that we can entertain this chaos of the wicked one. And it's not God's will for our life. So he puts God on hold and God says, okay, get in. I'll wait here. So Gideon went in and prepared a young goat. Now this, I read this like 15 times just to get this. Listen to this. He goes in and prepares a young goat and unleavened bread. And it says the meat he put in a basket and he put the broth in a pot. This sucker went and got a live goat, cooked it down, rendered the fat, made some bread. He left God hanging for like half of Thanksgiving morning. What time y'all get up cooking on Thanksgiving? About 3 a.m., 4 a.m.? Got to get the turkey, right? He left God hanging while he goes and prepares a feast. And I can just imagine what God was thinking. This is so unnecessary. But God is patient, isn't he? He's such a patient and loving God. So it says he put the meat in a basket and he put the broth in a pot and he brought them out to him under the terebinth tree and he presented them. The angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay them on this rock and then pour out the broth. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord put out the end of the staff that was in his hand, touched the meat and the unleavened bread, and the fire rose out of the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. And the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. Verse 22. Now Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. So Gideon said, alas, O Lord. Finally, Gideon believes that this angel that's been talking to him this whole time is now God. Okay, now he gets it. I don't think Gideon was too bright. If God can use Gideon, you got a shot. Amen. Finally, he perceived what great perception Gideon must have had, that he was the angel of the Lord. So Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Now, when you read that in the Hebrew, there is an asterisk on one of the words that means that what he was saying is out of fear. When he recognized it was God as an Israelite, he realized that he'd been in the presence of God that only the high priest should have been with. And he's fearing for his life. And listen to what God says. He says, peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. Seeing God face to face scared Gideon. I want you to see something. Until you fear God more than you fear your circumstance, you're not going to make the right decision. You have to hold God in the highest place. Because if you don't, 
That means that the devil has jockeying in your mind. He can, he can misprioritize his things in your life over God. You've got to fear God over everything else. Respect the Lord and his word. And so the Lord said to him, peace be with you. Don't fear, you shall not die. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord, and he called it, the Lord is peace, or in the Hebrew, Jehovah Shalom. To this day, it is still an offer of the Abyssalites. So Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. I love that God is called the God of peace. And when Christ comes, he's called the Prince of Peace. So the scripture being correct, it says that if you are in Christ Jesus, you are the seed of Abraham, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. When I leave this earth, I will leave an inheritance, but I cannot leave what I don't own. Hang on. Stay with me. I cannot give my children what I don't possess. So when he is called the God of peace, he has been positioned to give you your inheritance of peace. And when Jesus becomes the prince of peace, he has received the inheritance of peace from the God of peace. So you and I being joint heirs with Jesus Christ should be walking around as princes and princesses of peace. So why is it that our minds are wrecked? Why is it that we've lost our joy and we forfeited our peace? Could it be that we put more trust in what's going on around us than the one that has set up a throne within us? Is it possible that we have allowed the enemy to run amok in the battleground of our mind and to run free and, like I said earlier, set up shop again, rent free and just take over our minds? And I'll say it again, it's time for the people of God to take control of that battleground. To take control. You see, no matter what you're facing today, the word speaks about you in a positive manner. No matter what you're going through, I don't care what it is. It may be a sickness. God's called the great physician. It may be a financial need. The Bible says he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Walks on streets of gold. It may be a relationship. It may be that you're about to walk into a room full of people that have anxiety and frustration and bad memories together. And you're going to try to have a meal in peace with a family that's in pieces. The Bible says he will keep those in perfect peace whose minds are stayed upon him. I've got three quick steps for you. Three quick steps to peace today. Three quick steps. Step number one. In order to have peace, you have to learn to forgive quickly and completely. Learn to forgive quickly and completely. I say this all the time. Don't put a face to an offense. You only have one enemy. His name is the devil. 
Everybody else is a puppet. Everybody else is just a pawn in the, the bigger scheme. Don't put a face on your offense. People have hurt you. I understand. They don't understand. Even if they did it with some intentionality, they don't understand the long-term cost of their actions. So forgive quickly and completely. Unforgiveness is a roadblock to peace. And the craziest thing about unforgiveness is this, is that it only blocks your peace, not the person who made the offense. You think by harboring unforgiveness, you're doing something and you're giving some kind of penalty to the person that offended you. And can I tell you, there's nothing further from the truth. Unforgiveness only blocks your peace. So by the Holy Spirit, I'm charging you today to release offense. You see, if I was really going to preach on it today, what I would tell you is, is you can't offend a dead man. That was good, Carl. No, you can't offend a dead man. You see, my scripture says you were crucified with Christ. You're no longer your own. You've been bought with a price. You can't offend a dead man. Go over here and talk to Terry Brackney. Let him take you in there where them corpses are. You can call them everything uh, uh, but a child of God. They ain't going to be bothered by it. Why? Because they're, they're, their focus and existence is elsewhere. So should ours be. Jason, am I lying? Jason works at the funeral home. He'll tell you. I don't care how mad you are at somebody who's already been suspended in heavenly places. Their body don't respond. So why is it we as dead people walking they so offended. The Bible says that we were sealed in the tomb with Christ. I'm not my own. The Bible says I was a slave to sin. Now I'm a slave to righteousness. That means I'm chained up. I can't do what I want to do. I can't feel what I want to feel. My God, I shouldn't say what I want to say. And see, I see some of y'all on Facebook. Don't lie. I see some of y'all on your Twitter and your ex and whatever you own. See some of y'all on Crestview Word of Mouth. <laughs> I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. What you ought to do is give them the peace of your God. So this whole thing of peace a lot of times it starts with you because you're the prince or princess of peace. You should recognize that the source of peace is within you. So why do you let all these outward sources pour into you when you should be pouring into them? Can't offend a dead man. Can't offend a dead man. Forgive quickly and completely. Number two, turn from evil. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 11 says, Let them turn away from evil and do good. Let them seek peace and pursue it. 
I thank God I got a godly wife. She's got great wisdom. This morning she mentioned this verse, and it was already in my notes. She said, isn't it something that it says it's not enough just to seek it? You got to pursue it. You got to chase after it. Peace is a quick rascal. You got to sometimes shift to get it. Like chasing a chicken. Fast. Sometimes you got to move a little bit to get it. See, sometimes you can't stay where you've been to get the peace that God's called you to over here. Okay, let me put it a different way for you. Sometimes you can't be with the people of chaos and expect the peace of God. You can't hang around uh, 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 Lama and her drama over here and expect the peace of the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you, when it says turn from evil, let them turn away from evil, that takes a lot of different shapes. That could be turning away from evil thoughts. You ever had an evil thought? I, anybody ain't say yes, lies. That's an evil thought by itself. If you've been in traffic in Crestview, you have had an evil thought. And the church said, amen. Right? Turn away from those evil thoughts. Let me tell you, I learned this from my parents. I get so anxious because, you know, uh, uh, y'all schedules probably like ours. We go from busy to busy to busy to busy to busy to busy to busy. We never stop. It's just rapid fire all day long. Then you sleep and you get up and you do it again. That's just the way life is these days. When I'm stuck in traffic, I've got to control my mind because I'm anxious. That traffic has become a personal problem for me because it's not allowing me to do what I feel God's calling me to do. And then the devil himself will cut me off. I think he got a license in Florida. I'm telling you. <laughs> and he's usually got like an Ontario license plate. Snowbirds, man, you got to watch him. You got to watch him. So what I learned from my parents is this. Instead of being so frustrating and letting the hypothetical go the wrong way, Put yourself in their position. Are they, are they racing a child to the hospital? See, we're so quick to assess it in the negative that we start chasing negativity. We start pursuing evil. And the scripture says, turn away from evil. So many times we're quick to judge somebody in the negative. We don't have a clue what's going on in their life. We don't have a clue. That person could be running late for a job that they've got to have. That they've got to have. And I tell you, you never know the scenario other people are in. So when something is happening that you don't know, begin to bless that person. That's a, that, that's a free tip on the half piece. If you, can, if you can conquer the mind in traffic, you are well on your way to having peace. How about this? How about turning away from evil relationships? Oh, my Lord. I can speak a whole series on relationships. How can you have the peace of God when you're 
mingling with people that just, do you have those people in your life that they just, they thrive. They can't exist without drama and chaos. Can I tell you, here's permission. Arms, distance, pray for them and love them, but at a distance. You don't have to let everybody into your sanctuary. You see, if you have the right people closest to you, they will insulate your peace, not instigate your chaos. And so you, you, you got to be careful who you let in. That's why small groups are so important. That's why coming to church is so important because you, you run into like-minded people who are interested in finding peace. Some people you find in this world, they have no interest in peace. They've never had it. They wouldn't know what it looked like if it drop kicked them. And for some reason, we tie up with these people and then we wonder why we can't find peace. Oh, you got to, you got to turn away from evil people, evil relationships, evil activities, evil practices, evil places. There's certain places a child of God ought not be. I don't care if it's a bachelor party. Care if it's your best friend from college and it's just one night. You are a living sacrifice. You are a holy vessel, the Bible says. Walk like it. Flee from anything that leads to unrighteousness. While we're at it, me and Dusty had a great talk yesterday. Dusty's one of our elders and just a great blessing to me and my family. And, um, we were talking yesterday about how evil the human tongue could be. And I'll tell you this, turn away from evil words. But let's take that a step further where the real damage happens. Turn away from evil self-talk. Your tongue, the Bible says, has the power of life and death. And we will say things to ourselves and about ourselves that we would never dream of saying to somebody else. And make no mistake, the tongue still has power. You've just unleashed it on yourself. Why do we do that? Can I tell you, when you speak peace, the first person you speak peace over is yourself got to speak peace if my tongue can create and bring things that aren't as though they were then I should use my tongue to create peace in my own world but so many times we beat ourselves up with the weapon that the master gave us I said I didn't give you that tongue to bash yourself I did not give you that tongue to self-abuse I gave you that tongue to speak life. I gave you that tongue so that you can proclaim the goodness of God. I don't know if y'all struggle with that, but please harness that self-talk. Harness that self-talk. Harness that. Because it still has power. It still has authority. You see, that's the thing about dominion. When God gives it to you, he don't take it back. He's giving you authority in your tongue. And if you're using it to tear yourself down, man, 
What a waste. What a waste. So use your tongue to encourage yourself. I do this thing when I, it's a little bit weird. First thing I do when I get up in the morning, I say, good morning, God. Good morning, Jesus. Good morning, Holy Spirit. Sometime between then and the time I leave the house, I affirm myself. When I'm brushing my teeth, I make eye contact with that old scraggly sucker in the mirror. I say, today, you are a tool in the master's hand. Today, you are highly blessed and not cursed. Today, you will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Today, God is going to do something special in you, for you, and through you. You see, I beat the devil to the punch. Because the minute I take that t-shirt off, I see that old gut hanging out, and I go, God, dog. This sucker needs to run a marathon. You need to, you need to run to work. Am I lying? Then we start tearing ourselves down. (laughs) Or even worse, a thought from yesterday. Why would somebody say that, what they said to me? Maybe what they said about me is true. Only, they would only say that to someone of less value. Church, take control. That's self-talk, boy, that's some dangerous stuff. It's dynamite in our own house. You've got to control it. you got to control it. Step number three, and I'm wrapping up. Change your mindset. Change your mindset said earlier, I'm going to quote it again, Isaiah 26.3, write this verse down. Take a picture of it. Do whatever you need to do. Isaiah 26.3, you will keep them in perfect peace. Look at your neighbor and say, perfect peace. Perfect peace. Whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Keep you in perfect peace. How many of y'all need that? You just need that perfect Come on, I mean, Josh, I need perfect peace. There's been chaos in my life. I'm ready for some peace. You see, to stay in that perfect peace, you got to stay in the mind frame of God's goodness. And no matter what's going on around you, stop reminding yourself of what the enemy's doing and keep reminding yourself of what God has spoken. It's imperative that God's word replays over and over. Uh, King David said it like this. He said, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. And with that one sentence, David conquered peace. What are your words? What are your thoughts? What are your words? What are your thoughts? Change your mindset. How do we keep our minds stayed on God? How do we keep our minds stayed on Him? I'll tell you this, what you focus on will feed you. 
I'm never surprised when I squeeze a tube of toothpaste and toothpaste comes out. I'm never shocked when I squeeze ketchup and that salty red goodness comes out. I'm never surprised when I squeeze a popsicle in popsicle. What comes out is completely related to what went in. And when pressure is applied, we get the evidence of what was put in. So if you want to control what comes out, control what goes in. If you're under a lot of pressure and the only thing coming out is anger, rage, frustration, toxicity, ooh, you gotta change your source. You gotta change your source. You see, when I squeeze toothpaste, I never even hesitate. I know what's coming out because I trust the manufacturer did their job. Now, if I really trust God and I allow Him to process my day-to-day through His Word, when pressure comes, I should never be surprised when instead of problems, praise comes out. I'll never forget, my grandmother worked as the dean of nurses at a nursing home. And I was a little boy, so nurses, nursing homes kind of freaked me out when I was little. And... um I would go see her in her office and there was an old lady who did nothing but sing hymns. She couldn't speak, but she could sing. And you would walk by and say, hello. She wouldn't stop singing. Old hymns. I'm talking about wonderful spirituals, these beautiful hymns. And I asked my grandma one time, I said, can she not talk? She said, she has the ability, she said, but she, she set her heart on worship. And I'll never forget my grandmother saying she could choose to talk, but she chooses just to sing and worship. And the only words that you would hear without notes is, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And then she go right back into another song. It's probably in her 90s, you can play the piano and worship with such beauty. I mean, just she'd roll her wheelchair up and play and just worship. If you ask her, you want chocolate or vanilla, she wouldn't answer. But if you walked up to her and asked her to sing you a worship song, she would take off. See, she understood the value of worship. See, what goes in is what comes out. And just as a side note, it usually comes out on the most valuable people close to us. All the negative that comes in very rarely lands where your heart would want it to land. It often explodes and pops on people that you would never want to hurt. You deliver chaos to those who give you peace. We got to take control of that church. So here's my challenge. This week, Thanksgiving week, 
This all starts with a simple function called Thanksgiving. I'm not talking about the day. I'm talking about the mindset. Are you grateful for what God's done for you? Okay, eight people. Let's ask over here. Are you grateful for what God's done for you? Okay, good. So if you're grateful, begin to tell him you're grateful. You see, your tongue is like a rudder. It can't steer two directions at once. And a spirit of gratitude, I was told when I was a kid, always affects your latitude. If you need a change of direction, just change the rudder. Scripture says that a man that can control his tongue is stronger than a man who could take a city. Control your tongue. Begin to worship. Begin to show gratitude. And instead of being angry at other people, just pray for them and bless them. When you're in a season of frustration and anxiety, realize there's always somebody that would give anything to trade places with you. And begin to give God praise for what he's done for you. By doing that, you'll tap in to the Lord, your peace. You see, he's always waiting, just like he was for Gideon. He's patient. He's patient, but he's there. While we're on our rants and our raves and our anger and our frustration and our fear, anxiety, anybody ever dealt with anxiety? I got so anxious last week, my chest was hurt. You ever been there? Where you feel a physical pain from anxiety. I just stopped and I said, Lord, this ain't from you. I put my radio on some worship. Well, I went into worship. Let me tell you something. That anxiety took off like a scalded hound. What are you putting in? Are you putting in worship? Are you putting in prayer? Are you putting in scripture? Everything that you do, you you got to get those things handled. Because pressure will come, right? Right? And when it comes, what you put in is what comes out. Peace. Peace. Jesus said, my peace I give you. Aren't you grateful it's his peace? And not peace like the world gives. You see, the peace the world gives depends on your bank account. The peace the world gives depends on how much time off you have. The peace the world gives depends on how good your kids are acting. Amen. Y'all must not have a Nora in your life. You can borrow mine. I say all that, but let me tell you something. I praise God for Nora. Aren't you grateful? Aren't you grateful? You see, with the same tongue, I can say, boy, that child can stir up all kind of mess in my house. Or I can say, God, thank you for the fire you put in her. Just like that. Boom, changed. Boom, changed. I say, take back your mind. Take your peace. Oh, mighty woman and man of valor. Worry about the Midianites, the circumstance around you. No. God has spoken great things about you. It's time to rise up and defeat the enemy of your mind. Stand to your feet so I can pray for you.
If you're in this place and you just say, Josh, I've just been overcome by anxiety, fear, frustration, anger, any emotion that's not of God. That's you and you've been struggling with it. Right where you're standing, just lift your hands. If you're comfortable, just lift your hands. Father, I thank you. Spirit of God, move across this crowd. I speak peace to the storm. Peace be with you. Spirit of the living God, touch your people. Heal our minds. Change our words. Bridle our tongues. Bring peace to your people. You are Jehovah Shalom. The God of peace. There is no peace outside of you. So help us to run to you. And to leave the chaos and the frustrations of the world behind. Just to chase after you. Oh God of Jacob and Israel, we just speak peace now. So many of us have been praying for peace over in Israel. We have forgotten to pray for peace in our homes. We've been praying for peace in our country, but we don't have peace in our marriages. Pray for peace in our neighborhoods, but not peace for our children. I say let peace begin with us. May the fountain of life, the Bible says out of our bellies shall flow rivers of living water. And may that pump begin to flow with peace now. Remind us to fill our hearts and our minds and our mouths with praise. So that when the pressures of this world come, only the goodness of God can spill out. We give you the glory. We give you the praise. You alone are worthy. You reign above it all. You reign above it all. Over the universe. All of heaven and the earth erupt in song. Sing hallelujah to the everlasting one. There is no higher name. Jesus, you reign above it all. The Lord, we trust you. We yield to you. The God of peace. Make us children of peace. And when peace can't be found around us, <laughs> release the peace that's within us 
to impact the things around us. Thank you for loving us enough to give us that peace, the peace that surpasses understanding, the peace that doesn't make sense in a world of chaos. That's the peace I'm claiming now for each person here. May the peace of God rule and reign in the hearts and minds of your children. We'll give you praise for it. I pray you'd bless us and keep us. Be gracious to us and show us your faith. Make your face shine upon us and give us peace both now and forevermore, not just today, but ongoing. That peace that doesn't give up, that peace that's not frail, that peace that doesn't stop. Give us peace. Overwhelm us with your favor. Father, may thanksgiving pour from our mouths this week as we give you praise for the goodness that you brought to our lives. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for salvation. We thank you for the hope of eternal glory. You're worthy of our praise. Our thanks starts and finishes with you. Because you alone are worthy and we thank you. Bring us back next week with more wisdom and understanding and more of your word locked away in our heart. And we'll give you the glory for it. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. Happy Thanksgiving. And we'll see you next week. Thanks again for joining us today for the Hope City Community Church Podcast. We pray that what you've heard today will bless you until the next time we meet again. We hope you'll join us again soon to be encouraged, inspired, and challenged to experience the real Jesus. Take good care and God bless.